Hello and welcome to the inaugural Jules 365 podcast, a new and regular feature covering all the hot topics in relation to Gillingham Football Club. Um, I'm Rhys Hurd with James Hawkins alongside me today for this debut edition of the podcast to digest all the latest goings on from Priestfield and it's safe to say we've picked a hectic week to kick off with. Adrian Pennock's tenure as head coach was brought to an end on Monday morning after a 3-0 defeat at Rochdale and he leaves with an 18.75% win ratio, the lowest in the club's history for a permanent manager. Director of football and friend of the chairman, Peter Taylor, has taken the reins on a short-term basis. Exactly how long short-term means, your guess is as good as mine. And amidst the chaotic situation off the field, Jules were back in League One action last night, playing out a not-so-chaotic, dreary goal ashore with Scunfort, which produced more substitutions than shots on target. So, James, we'll start with obviously the, the biggest news that broke about 10 o'clock Monday morning. Yeah. Um, obviously, the dismissal or mutual agreement, however you want to word it, of Adrian Pennock. Yeah. Um, would you say ultimately a decision that had to be made when it was? Definitely. Um, in, in my opinion, I think it should have been done. Well, to be honest, in my opinion, I don't think I don't think he should have even come into pre-season. Um, I think that he was, and he knew himself that, to to put it kindly, um, he was he was out of his depth. Um, I think he knew that, and um, I think even he was shocked when he got the call from the chairman in the summer um, to say, "Yeah, come on down, come and come and have a crack at it." And ultimately, um, the record speaks for itself. There, look at look at that league record. It's what is it? Five wins, eleven draws, and fourteen losses. Out of possible ninety points, he's only won twenty-six of them. Um, I just, yeah. I mean, for me, um, a lot of people were saying that oh, he didn't, he didn't get a fair crack of the whip. It's only nine games. Um, he hasn't got the biggest playing budget. Well, for me, I'll argue that with the start off with his squad. At the end of the day, it's down to him to do the recruitment. So, whatever you do with that money, or little of it, is entirely up to you. I'm pretty sure there's plenty of talented youngsters in this country that are on very low wages at Premier League clubs. Yeah, that yeah. they can be pulled in on the loan. Um, look at look at the year Coventry did really well, where they had about four or five loans, all Premier League. I think then they they, ne- they nearly got in the playoffs in the end. Because yeah, if you remember over the summer during the period between the Northampton game where we stayed up and then him being confirmed full time. Yeah, I remember every interview that was he was doing, he was saying. Yeah, I'd love to stay and have a chance to build my own team, whatever. Yeah. But it has to be on the right terms for me. Yeah. So surely, when him and Scally had that meeting to offer him the job for the season or whatever, he knew your playing budget is going to be X, Y, Z. You're going to be able to sign this calibre of players. And I'm sure he signed up to it. So in which case, you can't really feel that sorry for him that Scally's let him down in terms of funds. Yeah, the playing budget probably isn't that high. No. But I'm fairly sure that... What, Pen- what 11 or 12 players over the yeah, summer? Yeah. It's an awful lot. It's a, a big overhaul. Yeah, um, and, and what concerns me is that you can say what you like about the, the squad from last year. Pennock's managed to make this squad considerably worse. Um, whether you say the players care, they try, at the end of the day, they can care and they look, they like. They're not, at the moment, in my opinion, that, that playing side is not going to keep you in the division. In terms of out and out ability, no, there's, at there's the end a vast, of the day, vast difference. When people say, oh, they care, they try, I'm pretty sure me and you can put on a jill shirt and run around a little bit. Yeah. It doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. You've got, you've got to have some sort of ability. Um, but going back to, going back to Pennock, Definitely, definitely the right decision. Um, and to be honest, yeah, it was the worst manager I've seen since since I've been supporting the club. Yeah, um, I'd go along with that. And yeah, I'd, to to say I feel sorry for him, you know what? I don't because he's had thirty games. He's won five of them. He's had plenty of opportunities, plenty of chances, and. Um, 
I would thank him, but you know what? How often do we spend our money up and down the country? Um, hard earned cash for him not to clap us. And at the end of the day, I'm not going to thank him if he can't thank us. So. Of, co- of course, it's a, it's a shame it didn't work, but I don't find it a shame any more so because it, of it's him and his previous history of the club. I find it a sh- it's a shame when any manager leaves because it means the team's not doing very well, yeah. ultimately. Exactly. So we'd rather never have to change the manager because it would mean that we're doing half decent <laughs> out on the pitch. And obviously, we're looking for third manager in the space of a year. Yeah. It's not, not a healthy situation, but like, I'm with you, though. It was a decision that definitely had to be made. And reading um, the chairman's quotes this morning, it seemed like he made his mind up fairly quickly over the weekend where he said, I shut the computer down after 60 minutes because I was so disgusted and horrified with what I was watching. As a result of that performance and obvious concerns with the team generally, I had a discussion with AD first thing on Monday and we agreed that we would cancel his contract by mutual consent along with Jamie Day. To be honest, Mr Scully, I'm surprised it took you this long to yeah. come to that conclusion. Yeah. Um, but to, I suppose in defence of him, that was probably such an obvious sign that it would never change when the week before we'd got a really, really good hard-fought home win over... Charlton in what was right. they're not direct rivals but in no. terms of our fixture list Charlton at home is probably our biggest home game of the season and we worked hard and got a win out of it whether or not we deserve to is a different question but we got the three points and you know a lot of people said afterwards that that had to be the springboard and the platform to go and kick on and, and then the result at Saturday just showed that yeah. he didn't have the ability to get at his it, squad to play consistently at the end of the day um, you can you can beat the Charltons, you can beat the Wiggins, you can beat the the other big sides in in this league. Um, what makes or breaks your season is going to teams like Watchdale and grinding out results. And quite frankly, it seems like we were we were battered. Um, and yeah, that concerned me. Um, and I knew I knew that we we were going to go to Rochdale and and lose because. Unlike Mr. Scully, who obviously then realised that it was it was time to go for Mr. Pennock, that in all his reign, when have we ever gone on a two, three, four game run? That was a problem. We'd, we'd pull off the odd win here yeah. and there. Many would say that every win under him was fortunate rather than yeah, it was any deserved win or tactical masterstroke for himself. Exactly. And that's part of the reason why more wins and, didn't follow. To be honest, it's Charlton. Did we deserve to win the game? No, we didn't. Um, it was, we were just fortunate that Shelton were crap um, that day. Uh, they couldn't hit a barn door. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I knew, I knew, I knew we were going to lose at Rochdale because, because yeah, that's just what happened under Andy Pennock, didn't it? So, last last point we'll make on on Pennock um, leaving. Why, why do you think that it, it went as badly as it did? I know, obviously, when he was appointed, a lot of, a lot of people, and I'll, I'll include ourselves in that, weren't, weren't happy or were vastly underwhelmed by the appointment. But to be honest, it went even worse than I, I expected at the start. Um, you know what, Reese? Um, in answer to your question, and I'm not going to give... Uh, you're also some Jules fans this... And they'll say, well, it went so wrong under him because we couldn't win a football match. Well, no. Um, it just isn't that. It's the fact is, is that at home, um, at home games at the end of the day, whatever crowd, big or little, you've got, you've got to get them off their feet. And the way he set up at home was just all wrong. Um, he was playing with three at the back. Um, he obviously started playing towards the end of his... Tenure, he started playing four centre halves. Um, it, I think the biggest thing for me is that, and what was what was what's quite concerning was that last year he often said in press conferences was when he had, when he's got his own squad, he'll be able to pick and choose where, where he can play people. And for me, even with his own side, he was playing people out of position quite a lot. And at the end of the day. Yeah, you can have people play two positions, but if they're not naturally naturally comfortable in that position, they're, they're going to make mistakes. 
Um, we weren't at home. We weren't. We weren't on the front foot enough. We weren't exciting enough under him. And then away from home, um, for me, we just weren't. We just. He'd often say that they'd done a lot of organisation. Not for me. I don't. I don't think that they they knew where they were playing. Um, and I think that. I think also one of the other reasons, Reese, was that why it went so wrong under him is that I, I get that he wanted to keep, uh, he wanted to have his own, have his own players, have his own signings, um, but he, he annoyed quite a lot of big players. He annoyed Josh, he obviously annoyed Wright, he annoyed Nelson. He called that fat in an interview. Um, he threw Cody out the door. So it comes down to man management, ultimately, doesn't it? And, and, and I think that's what... And like you quite rightly said last season, I think you did on one other podcast, that at the end of the day, it's like a bacteria. If you annoy people that are, are well-liked in the dressing room, it's going to spread around. And, and, and I think ultimately, because he did that, rather than just... Even if he didn't want to play him, he should have just kept them around even to help him. I knew he knew the club, but he didn't know what was inside that dressing room. And I think that's what he did wrong, was that he should have kept the experienced players around him to help him and guide him. And he didn't, he just threw him out the door. And I think it passed a bad message off to the other players. And I think I think the players with the last squad and this squad stopped playing for him because I think they saw the way he treated others. And I think ultimately, then he was already fighting a losing battle. And I think that's why it went wrong under him. Uh, but I wouldn't go, wouldn't go much much far adrift from that to be honest um, I, I'd get the impression just purely from several press conferences and post-match interviews he did I don't think he was a great motivator of his players to be honest no. if anything he probably alienated them more than <coughs> motivated them um, you know within weeks of him coming through the door he'd, he'd compared, compared, compared us defensively to under 12s you know openly admitted that he'd, he'd thrown cups around changing rooms and so on and so forth unfortunately I, I just felt that from obviously we don't know all the details from in, inside the club but from an outsider looking in I get the impression that he might have managed this team like it was a team from back when he was playing whereas obviously football especially recently it's come a long way since then um, and you have to manage players a lot differently that they're a lot more precious, so the word that a, peop- a lot of people would use. Um, and I just don't think he went the right way about getting all the players on the side a lot of the time. And I think that's probably quite a big factor in why, yeah. why in the end he was proven that at football league level yeah. that he, he couldn't cut it. I, I think, I think another another thing that he often got wrong was that he did a lot of changing and talking in uh, press conferences. How often did you see that he come out and say, "Well, they've defended like twelve-year-olds"? Yeah. Um, like, obviously, his, his last press conference is uh, his last press conference. He said they were like eleven foreigners off the street. Um, like, obviously, like I, just, like I said earlier, called uh, he called out players individually in a, in a press conference. Um, and I think the way he had really bad way with the media um, and people pick up on that and, and I think that's what I think that's what ultimately it got Edinburgh a sack and I think that that went a long way to booting him out as well because yeah I, yeah <laughs> but shortly we didn't have to wait too long on Monday for the for the next bit of news um, probably the least shocking news yeah um, of the 21st century <laughs> is that Peter Taylor was coming downstairs to um, take charge on an, well a short term interim basis was the, was the term used at first um, but the question I have for you James is do you believe that this will just be a few games or is it more likely to be a few months of Peter Taylor in charge um, to be honest if I saw what I saw last night Bubbles off soon, um, but I think he'll probably be till Christmas. I think that um, I think the chairman is probably waiting for the centre plate course to be settled. 
on. Of course, like you said in the Q and A, that that we've won it, um, and God forbid we have. Um, and I think that's could it could be then. I think that Taylor might step aside, a new guy come in with funds. But if that was the case, would Scally not have been best off saying, "Look, I've obviously had to." I'm sure there's been some sort of settlement fee for Pennock and Day leaving. If he'd have come out and gone, look, we've not, we're not blessed with lots of money at the moment. Um, we're expecting a two million pound windfall in November, so until then, Peter's going to fill in. And if he'd have come out and said that, yeah. people would go, fair enough, we'll, we'll make. But then to release a statement Monday saying short term, few games, and then the next day say, oh, I don't know when it could be, it could be till Christmas, it could be till the end of the season. It's, it's like you said to me. Does he really know where he wants to look with it at the moment? Like and I think one of the quotes that he said on Radio Kent, and it was really, really concerning to me, was a managerial change is tedious. That concerned me it big be, time. It should be an exciting thing it to, should be. to inject some new fresh blood and fresh yeah. life into the club to yeah. make it better. It should, it, it, that's what I mean, like you quite rightly said earlier, is that if he gets this right, and it goes brilliantly. This could be the start of something new for Jules. Gets it wrong, it, it can break us. So and it's him that's going to get it in the neck, ultimately. And and the issue is, is that I I think I think in in my heart, I think he's going to be here to the end of the season. But I think Taylor. he is. Yeah, I think he's going to be here to the end of the season. Looking over. Looking over everything that's been said in the past couple of days by, by obviously the chairman, I know Taylor's come out and said that he doesn't want it. But at the end of the day, he's come back a third time. If Scully asked him to do it, I think he will. I think he'll stay. That's the thing. And I don't know. Yeah. I, I, in my heart, I think I think he's going to have it. I think. Yeah, I think we're going to have picked up in the season. If if we were sitting here and we were sitting here at the end of January and we'd only got 15 games left, I'd understand it. But we've played 10 games. Yeah. We've still got more than three quarters of the season left. Why would you need to appoint an interim well, manager for the entire season? Well, wasn't the chairman saying in the, on the radio that the reason for it is that he's trying his hardest to get an investment? Does that mean that Mr. Scully's selling up? Is that is that his way of saying Who that? Knows? Is that his way of saying he wants to get new owners well, yeah, to another, appoint their own man? Another thing, well, because he did say that. He said, "I'm looking at several potential investors, and I've got to take into consideration the type of manager they might want." That's the as thing. if to say they're going to have some sort of influence on footballing decisions, so, which would suggest that he's not going to have total control anymore. How close are we to this investment then? If he's saying that. Because for all the managerial appointments I've seen over the 16 years I've like, supported the club, I've never seen Mr Scully say that. No. Ever. He, he, he gets quite, usually he gets quite excited about appointing the manager. He often says that it's a fresh start and every, everyone should buy in. And he said on the radio that it's an exciting few months for the football club. I probably hope he is. I probably hope he's right. Um, but I, I see you. Ne- I see your next question there, Reese, and on the notes. Could we stay up if Pete Taylor in charge of the season? The answer is no. I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't get me wrong. I think we will be better under um, under Taylor than Pennock, um, as we'll come on to in a little bit. I think yesterday's game might be an example of that we probably would have lost last night's game under Pennock but will he improve us enough to keep us out of trouble I don't think he will because ultimately as director of football he probably played just as big a role in putting this squad together as Pennock did in in which case he's going to struggle to to get enough out of them to keep us up because it's alright you know we're winning well, we've won once in, in 10 games. Even if we start winning two or three times in 10, we're still going to be down there. Yeah. Um, at, at the end of the day, 
I think he's um, I think he's experienced enough um, Taylor but the squad that he had last time was, was better than this that, one that, I think in he's not the solution for the whole season in my opinion no. because I think his best days in management are behind him. He's not had a lot of jobs in, in recent years. But yeah, he hasn't as, had one. As it, if it was to prove a short-term interim, he probably is quite a safe pair of, pair of hands. Whereas most clubs would, would sack a manager and then bring in a caretaker who's like the youth team coach or yeah. something. We've been lucky enough to be in a position where our interim short-term manager is someone who's managed the England team. He's managed yeah. probably in the Premier League in the Championship. So in that sense, we're quite fortunate to have him. Yeah, yeah. But... There's a time span, I think, where people will then start to say, all right, you've steadied the boat a little bit, but we now need a, a new man to come in and freshen things up properly. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely. But no, I, I would say that if he's here till the end of the season, I, I don't think the ultimate outcome of our season will be an awful lot different to what I believe it would be if had Pennock have stayed. Um, yeah. So what we're, the point we're making here is that we want a completely fresh man to come in sometime soon. Yeah, uh, which leads us on to obviously the, the big talking point amongst Jill's fans at the moment is who the new manager will be, when it will be, if it will ever be. Um, James, I'll ask you your personal choice, one name. Still going to go with that. I think that for me, that. Um, well, wouldn't you have him? No, no, I agree. I agree. At, at the end of the day, he, he took. First reason, he took Charlton from 23rd, where we basically are, to first in a year in this division with no budget. Um, he's. Second reason, they played fantastic football that year, attractive. Got people off their seats at the valley, which is which is hard to do at the valley um, because they're a lot like Jules fans. They're hard to please, um, and he's so he's managed Charlton. He's managed, uh, he's managed Huddersfield. Yep, he did. He did well at Huddersfield, I think, didn't he? He did okay. He did okay. Um, he's then been an assistant manager at Derby. I think he's been assistant manager at other places as well, hasn't he? So he's got all the experience. We need, and I think that, and I was listening to him in loads of interviews, that he wants a number one job. Um, he doesn't want to be a number two anymore. It, we're local, so we're not far from his house. I don't think that he'd want to take an awful lot of money, because I think he's one of those guys that really wants to get back into management. And if Mr. Scanning just goes, look, yeah, we're not the most attractive proposition you haven't got a big playing budget, budget but you know what if you do well your reputation is going to go through the roof and if you want to leave the following if you want to leave next summer and go to a better club you can do something like what I'll land in the job on a plate I, I, he is also my number one choice um, I think like you say where he's not had a number one job for two or three years I don't think he can really expect to all of a sudden go, I want another number one job and pluck one out of the championship. Yeah. I think a bit like what Hasselbank's done, where he's come out of QPR and not got a different a new job instantly, he's had to drop back down into a bottom half League One team, knowing that if he does a good job there, teams in the championship will come after him again. And I think Powell might fit into that bracket where he might have to, he might have to look to a League One job. And like you say, he's, he's not vastly experienced. I don't think he's going to be one of these managers that's going to be on ridiculous wages he's only had two number one jobs um, Huddersfield weren't a top championship team when he was there yep. so you'd say probably generally League One is about his level from yep. what he's proven yep. in his career so when you consider the fact he's not had a number one job for two or three years I, I don't see why if Scully didn't it's the club, sell, it, sell the club to him um, <laughs> could be the stumbling block um, I'd like to think we'd at least take him into consideration. If we went for him and he said no, that that, that happens. But my my top name, yeah, would be Chris Powell, like you. Um, but look, we'll have a look through some of the latest betting odds. Not that any of it really means anything at this stage. Um, but obviously after them, a couple of days of the non-stop rumours, um, 
before the Charlton game. Yeah. Um, and Alberto Solano is still the favourite at eleven to ten, and one big change today is Sean Derry has come in at second favourite, two to one. I don't know where that. Where that? Yeah, I'm not quite sure where that one's been plucked from. Um, but then Peter Taylor is obviously in at four to one because he's doing it at the moment. Um, Maidstone's Jay Saunders is in at five to one. A little bit of a controversial one that would be I think a bit like going down the pennant route again yeah, yeah. Um, Chris Powell who we've just touched on is there at 8-1 to one. Dover's manager Chris Kinnear at 12-1 to one. Um, and then 14-1 to one, an interesting one Martin Allen um, and the weird one on Bet Victor is that former Liverpool and Real Madrid Bayern Munich man Xavi Alonso is in there at 25-1 to one, <laughs> if we fancied his first crack at management well, kids say you beat playing football <laughs> wouldn't they we're in a football on the rim I must admit James Amongst the current current favourites on the betting list, mm-hmm. there's not a lot to get me excited. I must admit, Powell aside, Powell, Al, Alonso, Alonso. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, can, I think that's a very long shot. I mean, Sean Derry, where's that coming? Not was he at Knox County, Cambridge? He's been at. Yeah, I'll. With little, little success. Yeah, I won't go near him. He hasn't done anything. It'd be another pennant, pennant one in in terms of unproven at this level, and it'd just be a pointless, pointless appointment. Um, if Scally did decide that the short-term route was the best one for the time being, and by that I mean the rest of this season. Would you take Alan back? Yeah. Do you think a mo like? Would you think a bigger portion of Jill's fans would say yes rather than no? I think so. I think so. Um, he certainly knows how to. Um, oh, how to get I mean, to every single Jules fan that I've pretty much asked and said, "Would you have Alan back?" Yes. 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 Yeah, of course you would. Of course you would. With what he's done for this club, uh, and I know it's going back to. Twelve faces, but it's a slightly, it's a slightly different. Have never been sacked in the first place. Um, he won the league to a title with us, and to be honest, in the situation situation we're in, in terms of staring Lee in the face, he's the best man for it. He is the best man for it. He knows, he knows how to get the best out of players when, when the time is uh is running out, and. Um, he is a short-term fix. I, I'm, I don't. I'm not saying, yeah, point him on a two-year deal and and oh no, he'd, let him he'd, do he'd, what he'd be the rest of this season at yeah. best, and then we'd say thanks. That's the thing for doing. If he keeps us up, we'd say thanks. You've done what you was asked of you, and now we're. And you know what? Done. Yeah, if he was to get the job and kept us up, the reputation he's already got would go sky high. Now the interesting thing while we're talking about Alan. Is that in Scally's first sort of interview after second pillar, he came out and said, I kind of feel that we need a manager who's a little bit off the wall, who's got some experience perhaps, but who can motivate a team and really get them sort of buzzing. Is he not describing Martin Allen? That is Martin Allen all over. Maybe one other manager who's a little bit off the wall, who's a little bit nuts. I'll think of one. The first name, as soon as you read that quote, Martin Allen. This is all. It's a, at the end of the day, I know people have said, said on social media and stuff like that, oh, Alan and Scully will never go back together. They've fallen out, whatever. And he seems to make up with them in, in the end as well. Yeah. How many times has he fallen out of Peter Taylor? If, he's fallen out of Justin Edinburgh. But we're reading the old quote of when Scully sacked um, Alan, and usually in his press conferences after he gets rid of the manager, he slags him off. <laughs> With Alan, he didn't. He thanked him and he said how well they got on on a personal and football level, but he felt the decision had to be made. For me, and to be honest, at, at Mr. Scully's, most of the time he's not here. If he just says, look, Peter, please stay at the director of football, watch Martin, of course.
calls to let me know if anything's going on. But, and he just said to Martin, look, no, we're not the best of mates, but I know how much you love the club. I've got to do other things. Can you just keep us in the division this year? Alan just snap his arm off. That's the thing, we're not for a minute saying we want Martin Allen to become Gillingham manager for the foreseeable future, but what we're, the point we're we'll making is if Scally does believe the short term, in, in other words, just solely focusing on survival this season is the pr- approach he wants to take for now, as opposed to a long term, Chris Powell, Nigel Adkins, people like that would be our yeah. top choices if we're looking for a long term plan. Yeah. But if a short term solution is what is what the club want, surely Martin Allen's a better option than Peter Taylor. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. He's got unfinished business here. He's got unfinished business. I, I, I would I would take it back in a heartbeat. I was I was speaking to Stuart Nelson last night um, in the dressing room and it was obviously he was in and around it, which is no surprise. Um, but he he asked me, he said that he said that look he said, who would you like as manager and I said he's got unfinished business in it without even mentioning the name of what Martin Allen I said yeah I said you'd be in goal as well <laughs> um, he, he, probably would, he probably would too. yeah he would, well true I said the thing is Nelson is that you know you know him well enough mate I said that he's one man that can come in here shake things up get people motivated and ultimately whether people like him or not, he gets results. And he went, yeah, you are right. He went, and he looked around the dressing room and he went, and every single one of them had out of him as well. Because they know, they know that, they know he's experienced at this level. He's won a little title with, for God's sake. Because I mean, one, one of the alarming things to come out of the Rochdale game was obviously Gabriel Zakawani did an interview and he said that the players lacked hunger. Yeah. After nine games of the season, is that something that you think someone like Alan could quite easily fix? I'll tell you what, if they didn't have hunger under Martin Allen, they don't deserve to wear a shirt. I'm shocked, shocked at that comment from Zakawani about players. One of the leaders, supposedly, of that team. About players' hunger. So, I know this is going a little bit off topic, but going back to Pennock and that. Was it solely his fault? Because all, all throughout the summer, Pennock was saying, I want to bring people into this football club that care and that will give their all for, for the shirt every I time they was, take it to the field. Yeah, I think it was solely his fault. I think that maybe in terms of they didn't have hunger playing him. But for me, that's unprofessional. Whether you, whether you like the man or not, you're not playing, if you don't want to play for him, you play for what's on the front of the shirt. And you play for all those travelling fans that up and down the country. And for me, that is a really important to say the players don't have enough hunger. It's, it's dropped the entire team, isn't it? Yeah. Actually, isn't it? And at the end of the day, and what concerns me is that, so you're telling me, whatever manager walks through that door, because you don't have enough hunger to go and get results, you're going to get relegated anyway. Is that is that what's being said? And that that, but in answer to your question, alarming comment. In answer to your question, there's only one man that will sort out this current state in a short-term fix, and it's Mad Dog for me. Um, yeah, so we'll move away from the sort of upstairs behind the scenes stuff now, and move on to on-pitch matters. Last night, we had the real pleasure of being inside Priestfield um, to watch Game of the Century, Gillingham nil, Scunthorpe nil. Um, I must admit, I've been going since 2003 and without any shadow of a doubt, that probably ranks in the top five most boring games I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Scunthorpe are nearly at the top end of the table on the face of it it's not the worst point in the world no. but I thought on the night Scunthorpe were very very poor um, so I was a little bit disappointed at our approach to it in the sense that we didn't at no point did we really kick on and show much intent on trying to win the game 
even though maybe at half time they could have gone in, gone in and gone, look, these have been poor. Let's get at them and cause them some problems. And we, we never really did that. It's, and it seemed like for most of the second half, both teams were happy for a point. And it made for a really, really poor spectacle, didn't it? In a very small crowd with little atmosphere. And it felt a bit like a checker trade trophy game, it did. didn't it, really? Yeah, it did. It did. Um, the team selection baffled me. Um, Listers, welcome, welcome back, Peter Taylor. Yeah, well, yeah. And that's the, that goes back to my answer. Will he keep us in the position? If he's saying this, he's kind of He picked someone. He picked someone that he's not seen all season. But he, from. he said the day before he was picking the team based on what he's seen in the games this season. And then someone who's not played a minute started up front. He started two Williams up front. What does that say to National Cundall that's sitting on the bench? Do you get what I mean? What kind yeah. of message yeah. does that give to them? What kind of message does it give to Darren Oldenkite when, when we're playing three defensive midfielders? Where's creativity going to come from? So that baffled me. Um, I'll tell you what, the game was woeful. It was awful. Just it was absolutely awful. It was no... Uh, shock, there was no creativity. Um, I think we had one shot on target. I think Scum before had three. So they was, wasn't much better than we were. Um, defensively, I suppose, we was alright to be fair. Considering we got smashed by Rochdale at the weekend, we was pretty solid. We were okay. I think that if we've been playing against a better side, we've lost the game. Um, but yeah, I think that considering going from that that on Saturday to to, to yesterday, yeah, you're right. But it was, a, it was a stable performance after that, I think. Yeah, I think that in I suppose in the face of it, yeah, it is a good point. But um, I think what was most frustrating was that Scunthorpe were, were poor and. Um, we weren't much better and, and that was the issue with it is that well yeah I suppose Zakawani got it now long weren't hungry enough give them a game did they if they wanted to win the game they could have that was there for the taking last night and the the lack of goals is a is a big concern um, I read this morning that in our 10 league games we failed to score in 6 of them you're always we're not going to be anywhere other than fighting relegation if if you're not scoring in 60% of your games um, like I've just said we had one shot on target yesterday we had one shot on target at Rochdale how how can you expect to win football matches on a consistent enough basis when you're not forcing your opposition goalkeeper into into enough action whereas on the flip side Thomas Holy's apparently made the most saves in the EFL by a considerable margin um, and that's something that Peter Taylor or whether he moves on in a couple of weeks and someone else comes in whoever's in that dugout or somehow I know it's that we're not blessed with vast quality in attacking areas but by hook or by crook if we want to stay up someone somehow has got to try and find a way of getting the a partnership thing. to click up there that's the thing whether you you can you can write it up all you want and and, and say well we've got Eve Wilkinson Nash Cundall Parker we've got five strikers at the club one of them can hit a bomb ball how many goals between them in their careers have they got that's the thing that's the thing now I don't think they've even hit ten between all, all five of them and that's the that is the worrying concern is that when January comes around, we've got a buy striker because, unfortunately, um, them lot as a collective effort don't keep us up. Don't keep us up. Um, I say that because Nash, the only natural goal scorer, as it seems, isn't getting enough run in the team. Anyway. That's the thing. For someone like Nashy, as obviously has made a big step up into our division he's not going to hit it off just by coming on and playing 10-15 minutes here and there he's going, to, he's going to need a run of 6-7-8 games and even if he doesn't score in the first 4 or 5 you're going to have to stick with him and, because that's the only way he's going to adapt and learn at this yeah. level properly and then once he gets 1 or 2 a load more might follow because his goal scoring instincts might start kicking in there yeah, exactly but 
is it just the strikers or do we lack the creativity in midfield as well, especially with the lineups we keep putting in? Where is that? How, how is Bowen, Hesterson and Aimer going to create anything? How many assists have they got probably throughout their whole career? Probably six through their whole career. Because Burn and Amor are holding field are naturally a centre half. And Hessenthaler doesn't create anyway. And that's the thing is that and that is the issue is that even if we have a good striker up there, what a bloody else can provide for it? And 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 that is the issue is that Darren Oldacre must be sitting on that bench thinking, Jesus Christ, how am I not getting a chance here? Is there any well thinking about it, is he is he must be the only creative centre for the club, not Claire, but he's not ours, I suppose. That's the argument for that. And the, the thing with Oldacre as well is that when we're a team that don't have a lot of goals in the side, someone that can stick a free kick in the top corner out of nowhere is the type of... Especially if we're going to sit back and play for, for nil-nils most games, yeah. that could be our chance of winning the game 1-0. Set-piece, edge exactly. of the box, and he could stick one in. Exactly. Um, and where we're so short on attacking quality, scoring from corners, free kicks into the penalty area, maybe our best hope. And at least with him, you know we're going to get a reliable delivery. Whereas at the moment this season, it's very hit and miss. We might get the odd couple on the money, yeah. but then for the two of them we get, we get four that go flying out back post and go out for a throw in. Yeah. I just don't. I just don't understand why we haven't gone for the game last night. What? what what was so wrong with? I don't know why he's stuck with a, a similar team to what has been failing for the past ten games. I just don't quite get it. I don't know why we haven't gone with a national Cundall, an old Acar. Had we gone a three-man midfield of Burn, Clare, and Old Acre and a front two, a national Cundall one, guaranteed we would have won that game last night. And I think the fans would have. Been given a bit of a lift by something like that, wouldn't they? Yeah. A lot of people are saying it now. Is that at the end of the day, last season, when Pennant came in, we was deep into the season and it wasn't the time for playing youngsters. But we're ten games in, you know. Exactly. When they're the, your your only source of creativity, you've almost got to play them. So for me. Yeah, and that's and that's the reason why I think that if Taylor stays the end of the season, because I think he will use that personnel in exactly the same way. So. Um, but we'll stay on the Scunthorpe game for, for a minute. Um, yeah, I'm going to ask you a tricky question: of who your man of the match is, because from my point of view, it was probably very much. A, a game where you could easily say it was sixes all round. No one was above a six. Yeah. No one was all full to warrant five or four. It was steady, but very, very unspectacular. Yeah. And if you had to pick one out, which I'm going to ask you to do anyway, okay. it's quite tricky. Although the sponsors at Priestfield were just parked yesterday, which I think surprised most in the ground. I cannot believe that. What is his beard? His <laughs> <laughs> blonde beard. <laughs> I bet, I, bet he, um, I bet he got some stick when he walks into training and that. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not, not too sure. It's Parker. Um, didn't, do much, didn't do much for me. Every time it went out to him, pinged off him again. Went back to... He's not forward. Simple as that. That's a simple answer. He can't play out there. Well, why do we consist with it? I just... And, yeah, uh, my man of the match was Elliot List yesterday. Uh, very bright in the first half, got the people, looked to get behind. Um, I think he actually won a couple of headers as well. He did. Um, and he looked like he wanted it. But we had this when Pennant took over, he played the first two games yeah. and then was nowhere to be seen again. So does that, is, that, is that his chance now? Surely which not. Would, which would be a shame because, like you, I thought I thought he did well. Um, I've been trying to think of who, who I'd have gone with, man. Like I just said, it was very much sort of 
pretty consistent throughout the team yesterday. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Max Seymour. Okay. Interesting. Second half, I thought he was very, very good. And he was quite sound on the ball, yeah, which, okay. which took me by surprise. Um, he positioned himself well. He, he read the danger, which he'd wanted him to do when he was playing so negatively. Um, considering it's not really a position, he's, well, it's, no, it's not a position that he's been used to playing in um, during his time here. He did all right. Um, and that's why I'll, I'll give it to him. But the, the back four did okay as well. Um, it's probably one of the least saves we've seen Holy had to make in the game. So we'll have to give the back four a little bit of credit for that one. Um, especially after we had to we had to rejig it around a little bit when O'Neill went off injured so early on. Of course, Lacey then moved out to, to right full back. Again, not not a position natural to him, but he did he did he did okay out there. Um, I thought Zakuani was good. Um, but yeah, there was no really standout performer worth majorly shouting home about last night. Um, but it was a point, a point on the board, um, which moves us on to Saturday, where Jill's visit Ewood Park for the first time since November 2000. Um, I think we'd probably take a point at Blackburn if we was offered it right now, James. Yes, I'll snap your body out. <laughs> Um, I think you've got a question here saying, can we pull off a shock? No, no you can't. <laughs> the thing is, they've, they've not set the league alight yet no, like they everyone haven't. expected them to. Although, I don't think Bolton had last season until we played them on the telly and they went on to get promoted. So well, we might be, well kick start. It'd be, it'd be, uh, be Jules Light to go to Blackburn and pull off a result, wouldn't it? Um, no, yeah. what, what do we need to do if we if we're to get a result? Go at them. You think? What have we got to lose? We lose the game by creating chances, having shots, being a little bit inventive and being a little creative. What happens? Because everyone's, everyone's expecting us to get beat anyway. What is the point going to Eagle Park? How many how many do they have crowd wise? More than us, that's what I'll I'll guarantee. What are they in the double figures, are they? Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, definitely. If we go there and we're creative, inventive, look to get people in behind, the Blackburn fans start getting on top of the team, we start yeah. frustrating them, we nick a goal, then sit 10 men behind the ball and see it out. What's the point going there, going with five, five centre-halves, all defensive, three de- like the team we played yesterday, and going to be a 3 0. I agree with what you say. I think it's a bit like the situations whenever we used to go away to Sheffield United when they was in our league that they they tended to struggle when we went up to Bramall Lane. And I think it's because, like you say, we we try and play a little bit, and if we can sustain a little bit of the ball and put a few attacks together, the crowd gets start getting on their own teams back very very quickly because the expectation's so high that they don't believe they should be playing in League One. If they start, oh, little old Gillingham are having a bit of a spell against us, they don't like it. Like you say, if we can then nick a goal. Because we did it last season. Yeah. We went to Bramall Lane and got a point. We went to Bradford, who, who won most of their home games yeah. and got a point. So, although this was last season. I, I, just, course, want to, I just want us to have a go. Just, just go at them. Because what is the point going to Ewood Park and lying down and giving them it? Because like you've got here, familiar base with Dak and Samuel, they are the first people in the division. Like, come on, rip you a new one. They're probably two of, the, two of the most dangerous players in this division. We know all about Brad Dak, and he's going to be absolutely gunning for us. Yeah. And if you hand it to him on plate and sit 10 minutes behind the ball, he is the one man in this division that is going to open you up. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So, um, um, I wonder if... Bradley Dat feels like he might have a bit of a point to prove to Peter Taylor as well because Taylor seemed reluctant to pick him whenever whenever he was Jewish manager and whenever he did it seemed to be bombed out on the left wing. Yeah. yeah. Um, a, a lot of I think what's what he's also got to prove is that a lot of Jules fans were, were surprised that he chose a team in our division. Um, and I think he probably wants to prove that it was the right move for him to go to Blackburn and that they were gonna go and do things there. Um, I, I think that 
we've got to set up right. We've got to set, we've, we've got to go up Blackburn. Um, it's no good. It's no good sitting ten men behind the ball. Um, Samuel's one of the most lethal strikers in, in this division. We know all about him as well. Ultimately, we're not good enough to go and sit 11 men behind the ball even apart from 90 minutes no, and stand firm. Look at, their, look at their side. Whether they've made a, a, a slow start or whatever, the amount of ability they've got in that team is it's crazy at this level. Most of their players should be playing for probably a league up. Um, and, yeah, we've, we've got to go up to that, though. There, there is no other option. Um, for me, let's look at let's look at the uh, let's look at well we're going to go on to the potential lineup, but yeah yeah we've got to go at Blackburn. The possible problem is this is one of the fixtures we're in. Obviously we're playing Blackburn on Saturday, um, and then next Sunday we've got Portsmouth at home on, on on Sky, which makes it even more difficult for us because yeah. obviously we don't go well on the telly. And I think our two games after that are Wigan and Peterborough. We can't play for a point in all these games because where we are in the league, points aren't going to get us very far. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Um, that's the six games are tough. Well, the next five games, should I say. Tough, tough games. Um, I actually can't see us getting anything out of it, any of them. Uh, maybe a point here and there, but like you say, that is the issue with how we're setting up at the moment. But it's all well and good. Um, setting up um, with like last night um, against Scunthorpe look weren't really going to do much but your Blackburns your Peterborough your Portsmouth your Wiggins will break you down will open you up because they've got they've got that little something to do that um, Wigan have got have still got Will Griff yeah. they've got Nick Powell um, Peterborough have got Madison Mario. Marriott, Jack Marriott scoring goals for fun. Portsmouth have got um, who's that who's that striker up front, the captain, Brett Pittman. That's the one. Um, again, he, he's another one. Um, and, the, and obviously Blackburn have got Dak and Samuel, and then they got others as well. They got that lad from um, QPR, Big Pit, Gladwin. Peter Whittingham, Peter Whittingham as well. He can he can cut open teams with one pass. He's got that sort of ability. So that's the thing is that it's all well and good setting up for a point against teams like Scuffle. But you play the next, those teams that we just mentioned, they will cut you open because they've got the ability to do that. So in these next games, I'll tell you what, if we go into these next games against those teams and we've gone for it, we've had lots of chances, we haven't had the luck. Yeah, fair enough. You know, you're up, you're out. But we go there and have one shot and don't have a go here. Comes back to that's what Oldham seems to be because last year Oldham just about survived like we did. They've hardly scored any goals, but they were built themselves on being very, very solid at the back. Whereas this season, they seem to just be having a go every week. And as proven yesterday, they beat Peterborough with ten men. Go. They just seem to be throwing caution to the wind this season, and no. all of a sudden they're scoring goals out of, out of nowhere. At the end of the day, managers, and certainly our managers, need to realise that these teams are playing at this level for a reason. It's because they're weak somewhere, and they've got weaknesses somewhere. And if you go at them, they're League One teams, and they've got League One defenders, and they will make mistakes. They're not perfect. If they were perfect, they'd be playing at Championship or Premier League. And they're playing at League One. So if you go at these teams and you put a little bit of pressure on them, how often have we seen teams, teams in previous years come to Prefield, we've stuck a little bit on them, put, put pressure on them, and they've folded. How often have we seen we'll go to away games and we've beaten, we've beaten teams like Bradford and Sheffield United where... We've gone at them. They've not expected it in front of their 20,000, 30,000 seat stadium. And they've bowled like a pack of cards. Because teams at this level, if you don't give them a moment's peace, will gift you chances. And ultimately, if we're getting anything 
anything out of the next five games and so and and you know what for the remainder of the season we need to stop this defensive stuff and just go for it because at the moment we're going to get relegated anyway so nothing to lose so on that you your your reluctance to see us playing this defensive minded football I'm going to ask you what your preferred 11 will be preferred yeah I'm expecting you to Play sort of a six-three-one formation. <laughs> um, I think my preferred eleven would be obviously we've got Martin back, haven't we? He is back. Um, yes. I'll go flat four-four-two, and I will go with I stick with holding goal. Uh, O'Neill's a bit of a worry. He seems to say he's all right on Twitter. He said he's um, so. Yeah, I'll go O'Neill. Um, Lacey, Zakawani, I'll drop Nugent for me. Um, I'll Gilvy, a left back. Then I will go with Claire on the right hand side. I'll play him as a winger. Um, then I will go Dern and Oldacre in the middle. I will go with Martin on the left hand side. And then I will go with Nash and Kunda up front. Okay, okay. Um, I would probably go with a narrow diamond I think in midfield um, obviously Holy will play in goal I've got a feeling O'Neill won't be fit in which case Lacey will play right back Zakuani and Nugent it will be at centre half um, Ogilvy left back um, in my midfield I'd like to think Bingham will be fit again I don't really know why he was missing yesterday, um, but he was. Um, so hopefully we can play Bingham as the holding player, Burn and Oldacre as the two, and maybe controversially, I wouldn't bring Martin back. I'd play Claire in the ten, um, and hopefully, I'm hoping Connor Connor Wilkinson is back, um, purely for a little bit more of a physical presence, um, and I would start him up front with either Nash or Cundall. Okay. Um, I just think with Martin, he got sent off at Wimbledon. We come from behind and got a point. We then beat Charlton, yep. and we've then got a point. Fair enough. Yesterday, so may, is Fair it enough. is it worth rushing him back in? Fair I'm enough. Sure, yeah, I'm I, sure, I, I definitely have him on the bench, but I think Claire's done enough to warrant his place in yeah, no, the number ten role at the moment. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's that's what I would go with. Um, but at least Martin coming back does give us a bit more option if he is on the bench. Yeah. It's, we've got something there yeah, then. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but even if if Taylor was to play the eleven, you would pick. Would you predict? What, would you predict to Jill's win? Um, <laughs> I think with that lineup, with I think I, I, I think I could see us getting a point with that lineup. I'd, I'd go with that. Um, if I'm going with my heart, and if he picks a decent team, I'd. Yeah. I'd but there's no I'd reason why if he was to go with a lineup similar to mine, no reason why if we grab the goal, could. Bit, you then change it's it, like you change say, the system, and we're not we're not playing in a league where the contrast between top and bottom is like the Premier League, no. like Crystal Palace against Man City. Every yeah. team in League One will have off days, probably at least once a month. Yeah, exactly. Because, like you say, that's why they're playing at this level. We we get, you never know. If we play Nash, he gets in behind one ball over the top, and their centre half pulls him down twenty minutes into the game, and they're down to ten men. It's, it's all but, it takes at our level. One decision yeah, can change a game. Well, so. um, but I think Nash or Cundall is, is key. Um, player that will look to try and stretch a defence. Um, or interesting that neither of us have stuck with list. Yeah, I know. I know. Which is harsh. Yeah, it is, but... Um, yeah, I... I don't know. I, I like this. Um, I do like this. But I definitely believe if, he, if he's not starting, unlike under Pennock, he should definitely, at the very least, be on the bench because he's got that raw I think pace. I think it's about time. Certainly, he's got a one year deal at it list. I think that the club. I think that the club need to give a little bit back to him and say, no, we'll put you in and around the first team. 
give yourself an opportunity to prove to us why you should be here now. It's about time, I think, for Elliot List. Every time I've seen him, I've, I've, I've been impressed with him. Uh, he, he's one of those players that get, gets you off your feet. Well, he's the, gets you he's, this, this, this current squad of ours is crippled for pace. Yeah. And he's the only one that's got that lightning inject of speed. And that's why it's been baffling a lot of people as to why under Pennock he was never getting on the bench after, like you say, they decided to give him a one year deal in, in the summer. And there must have been a reason for that. Um, so yeah, at, at the very least, I would expect to see Elliot on the bench, and and if we can keep a game tight for the last twenty minutes, he's probably a good option to bring on against tired, maybe not so quick defensives that you get at this level. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that was the first Jill's three six five podcast. Yeah. Um. We hope you've enjoyed it. We welcome plenty of feedback at Jill's three six five on Twitter. Yeah. Um, thanks for taking the time to listen um, I wouldn't expect a manager to be appointed before we next speak but we await with anticipation the next set of news to come from the football club um, thanks for listening and we will catch you next time <laughs>